0: What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Coach Chelsea, and thanks for tuning in again for another episode of The Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I got to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Podcorn. Um, they've been such an amazing, amazing piece to the success of The Servant Leader. You know, if you are a podcaster and you are looking for a marketplace that will help you to be able to connect your podcast with podcast sponsorships to create ads of post-read ads, interviews, mid-rolls, post-rolls. This is where you need to be. With Popcorn, there is no middleman. The podcaster is able to browse through opportunities and connect with these podcast sponsorships to provide it right here on your podcast. You'll never give up any rights to your podcast and Popcorn is only here to support. So if you are looking for a sponsorship, for your podcast popcorn is the way to go make sure you click the link in my show notes to sign up for popcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today again popcorn thank you for this sponsorship all my podcasters and listeners out there go to popcorn check it out All right, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us again for another episode of The Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited about this conversation today with Coach Willie Spears. I'm really excited about this, y'all. We were talking a little bit even before we came on today, and he already has me hype and excited and ready to go. But a motivational speaker, educator, coach, even in around parts of my backwoods. Gaza County Jefferson County so hometown boy and I'm super excited to get this conversation going so coach thank you for being here I tell people all the time time is that one thing that is valuable because once it's given you can't give it back so I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you so you can introduce yourself to our listeners and we'll get this conversation started
1: Well coach thank you so much for having me on uh, excuse me I'm at an event right now but I broke away from it. I'm in my car but Thanks so much. Thank God for technology. We can do this. And oh, I yeah. don't know why my voice is going already. Not even football season yet. And I've been screaming too much, I guess, and doing too much speaking. <laughs> but I've been watching you from afar. I've been loving the guests you have on. And I'm honored to be a part of that. And please thank keep you. doing what you're doing. Um, I know for a fact that it's changing lives because it's changing my life. And so oh, to say a little you bit about bro. me, you're very welcome. Uh, I'm born and raised in Panama City, Florida. My pastor growing up, my pastor... My, my main pastor passed away in like 88 and then we got this new guy from Quincy Florida named Willie C. Green and so because he was from Quincy we would go to his church often so I got familiar with the metropolis of Gretna and the metropolis of Quincy and Midway and
0: all oh yeah monsters. shout them out coach <laughs> so, I,
1: so I learned a little bit about those towns and then 15-20 years later I was coaching in some of those same areas and so that was, that was pretty neat but born and raised there, only child uh been very blessed to Grew up in a Christian household with two amazing uh, parents, and uh, that, that really taught me a lot. Grew up in the church, started teaching Sunday school at the age of eight years old, because we didn't have any teachers to show up on time for Sunday school, and my dad was a Sunday school superintendent, so he said, you're going to be on time, because I'm going, so you're going to be the teacher of That's your right. class. <laughs> So I taught my Sunday school class from age eight all the way till I went to college, and so um, those are good times, and I went to Rutherford High School in Panama City, graduated in '96. Ended up going to Northwestern Oklahoma State University, uh, playing football, being on scholarship and part of the NAI National Championship in 99. That was great times there. And went on to play some arena football, and that was great. And then I got into coaching and teaching. I've been athletic director of three schools. I've coached a little uh, Division One and Division Two college football. I've been a head coach of seven high schools and head coach of like five different sports. And so through all, that whole journey, this guy named Richie Marsh, I met him in 2006. I met him in 03, but I coached for him in 2006 in Thomasville, Georgia. And I had never seen a guy combine his coaching and his faith before. I've heard guys talk about coaching, heard guys talk about the faith, but this guy was like Jesus Christ. What I had was, like, he, was, he was so tough and so demanding and was a disciplinarian, but he, he was just a guy that never put his faith down, never compromised his beliefs, and I said, man, I want to be like that. So he changed my whole way of thinking. I became, I was a guy that was a coach, that was a Christian, and I became a Christian coach because of his leadership his example. So after that, in 06, my goal then was to become a head football coach. I figured I could have more influence. And if I was an athletic director, I can have even more influence. And so that's kind of a little bit about me. I've married, been married 17 years to Tanika. She's a homecoming queen, rubber by high school, 1994. And uh, so I married the home coming queen we rode the same bus little across the street from each other and and, uh god has really blessed us and we have two beautiful children taylor and kenneth taylor is uh 16 and kenneth is 15 and they're growing too fast and so uh they're in ninth to 10th grade and uh, so we're excited about that and right now i'm full-time teaching and writing books i've written seven books you can check them out on willyspears.com and i get to speak all over the country and right now i'm helping out at enterprise high school coaching their receivers don't know if i'll be a head coach i know i will one day but I've been offered some opportunities that I'm praying on, and there's opportunities that I wanted, I didn't get, so I believe they weren't for me. So we're trusting God on that, but honored to be with you today and honored to share what God has given
0: us. There is just so much joy and excitement that exudes from you. And I believe in matched energies So you're talking about my energy, but it's because when you talk to people like that, you know, it, it matches it. You can't help but be excited. And as y'all, my listeners know, I'm a country girl. I always talk about gas County Florida. So now you see the connection on why I was super excited. He's realming all through the parts of where I grew up. And we were talking a little bit about when we got started and he was just talking and reminded me of coach yo at Ole Miss. You were saying that, you know, a lot of times when people believe in Christ and, you know, we are, you know, on the front line for Him, they feel they have to have this stoic image that they can't just be real. But one of the things that I love about you and what this mission is trying to do is allow people to understand that, yeah, we love God, but God, you know, God loosened up some too. You know, it's okay to have some swag for Christ. It's okay to have energy and have fun with it because at the end of the day, it's, it, it's those things that pull people through. People that are already in the church, those aren't the ones that need us. God didn't just stay in the church, right? He, clearly, we know that he went with everybody, the robbers, the killers, the, the thieves, right? And so those are the things that we have to do in order to lead those young people that you know we're trying to coach and teach and mentor. So you spoke about coaching and teaching, mentoring and authoring seven books, man. And I'm telling you, you have so much inspiration in any of the videos or any things that you say. That was one of the things that led me to you. Can you talk a little bit about what led you to write these books what inspired you to do that and give us some of those titles uh, that you have so that we'll know what we're looking at when we purchase them we plug you out coach that's
1: <laughs> what i'm talking about when we purchase them speak back. That <laughs> <right>. <laughs> i claim it that's right um, <laughs> so what happened i was at rubber for high school and i was a teacher and my principal came to me and said willie our reading scores are down especially with our minority students you being one of our few minority teachers if you were excited about reading they would become excited about reading. And he knew that I was a reader. I love to read. I try to read a book a month. I'm actually reading Obama's book right now. It was really, really good. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm not really trying to do the reading thing and trying to be excited about that because I was caught in this box. If I'm a coach, I can only be this, this, and this. -hmm. I this, Mm -hmm. I was just Because that's all I had seen. And so it took a while, but eventually I got into what he was saying. I started a book club and the books were just boring. Like, it was, golly gee, Joanne, let's go to the sock hop tonight. And the kids were <laughs> like, Coach, this lane. lame. Don't nobody talk like that. So over spring break, I wrote a book. I wrote it out on my computer, and it wasn't great. I didn't think it was great. And I passed it around. Well, I put it in a binder, and these kids start stealing my books, Coach. They stealing books. <laughs> then my boy, Warren Jones, called me from uh from a hair salon. He's like, what up, man? He said, why didn't you tell me you wrote a book? i said, like, man, I ain't write no book. He said, man, you wrote a book. I said, I didn't write a book, Warren. He said, you embarrassed? I said, bro, if I wrote a book, I'd say I wrote a book. I said, what brings you down wrote a book? He said, everybody in this hair salon is talking about your book, talking about why you let the girl do this, and why they end the book this way, and when's the sequel coming out. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I'm talking about Keisha's Dilemma. And he started telling me about the girl, and he knew the characters. And I was like, how y'all get my book? And a lady that worked in their daughter took the book, took it home, told her mom about it. Her mama took the book to work and everybody at work started making copies of my book. It was just 45 sheets of paper. They made copies and started passing the book around. They said, you got to get this thing published. So that kind of started my journey with it. So we've written some fictional books about young girls. The book, Keisha's Dilemma, is rewritten in Passion's Predicament. It's about a young girl that grew up in a very Christian household and she starts dating this quote-unquote thug behind her father's back, her mother's back, and it, it's called a dilemma or a predicament because she has to decide: Am I gonna smoke or not? That was in the first book. Now it's: Am I gonna vape or not? Am I gonna touch this boy? And let him touch me? Am I gonna? Like, it was all these rules, and she had so many voices in her head. She had a her, her um a coach from high school that was like a, a conscience to her. She had a youth pastor that was talking in her head, and she had a father. And every time she do something she have no business, they would be telling her. The youth pastor would be giving her scriptures, and she have her coach say, you know, the, the things you do today is gonna determine your tomorrow. She had all these things and sometimes she still made the wrong decision. And so that book is a series. Then I wrote a book for coaches. Y'all listening? For coaches. called Culture Culture Creators. And uh, Charlie Ward actually uh, wrote the forward to that book. So uh, we're really excited he had joined us on that project. It's called Culture Creators. It talks about how to build culture in your program. So coach, if I walked in your gym and I saw girls jogging, I saw them not touching the line. I saw them talking back. I saw them wearing different colors. I don't need to know anything else. I know everything I need to know right then. Your, your culture is going to speak to me before I even barely get into the room. And in, in the book, I talk about how if I see rat droppings in your gym, I don't need to see the rat or the mouse. I know that a rat or a wow. mouse is big. And so I, I can look at your culture. I can tell what you work on. I can tell what you emphasize. I can tell what's important to you instantly. Now, you may try to change because I'm there, but the girls are going to let me know. Just like in a classroom, Coach, you know, when you get evaluated, you tell everybody, y'all act right. We'll have a fun right. day and Friday Y'all just behave. I, I was an administrator. I even found out a teacher had a trick. Coach, she told them, everybody raise your hand on every question. Every question I ask, I want everybody to raise your hand. Like, ooh, 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 pick me. Raise your right hand if you know the answer. Raise your left hand if you don't know the answer. But well, whatever you do, raise your hand. And, and I'm going to evaluate her as a minister like, Man, everybody's engaged in this class. You're talking about data-driven instruction. Like she got this thing down pat. going to find out when the students snitched on her. And he was mad at it. He was like, man, we ain't know let me them answers to them questions. But my point is, your your true culture comes out. And I wrote about that in the book. How do you define your culture? How do you get the culture that you want? And then I wrote a book called Transforming Your Life from Good to Great. Daily Nuggets of Wisdom is kind of like a devotional, kind of helps us walk through our finances, through our relationships, things of that nature. And then I wrote, a, I write an article for newspapers every week. We put all those articles in one book. That book is called Spears Makes His Point. And then my last two books, well, the last one is called Who Was Hawk Masalina? My great-great-grandfather was the first black man to live in Panama City. And I wrote a children's book about him. So that book's exciting. And my daughter, Coach, my daughter who's an athlete, my daughter wrote a book at the age of 15 called Spears Makes Her Point. So Come you know on, sweetie. Yeah, you need to get her on here. Go to www.webspears.com uh, Check it out, but you love her. She has a great personality, and uh, she's an athlete, Coach, but she's not as serious as I want her to be, so I try to stay in my lane be a dad, not a coach, <laughs> That's very difficult. Uh, you guys want to go check those books out, you're more than welcome to, and, and there's some servant leadership talk, and I'll talk a little bit about more about that later.
0: Yeah, Coach, I think that's amazing, such a variety, and, and I'm laughing because I meet you where you are as a servant leader. I meet you where you are as a coach and an educator, and all of those things that you speak of, I don't care what school you walk in, what gym you walk in, what crowd or any endeavor that you're leading or you're entering. Those things are found, and it is the same thing that holds true, and it is exactly what you said, and I love it. I, if I see rat droppings, I don't have to see the rat. And you're absolutely right about that. Every single time, we can try to put up a facade, but at the end of the day, that is the thing. Especially that young age group, you know, when you try to instill culture and values into your program, and they're going to rebel. They do that, and you have to hold the line. And you know, I was talking to Coach Lavelle Moten um, a couple of weeks ago. And we just dropped him on the pod. Uh, And, you know, just amazing servant leader in his own right. And one of the things that he talked about is that it's okay to be demanding. A lot of times these young people are getting just a cut of a break from the parental side, the leadership side. As their coaches, when we see them as often as their parents, we have to be demanding. And are they going to like it? No. Are their parents going to like it? No, because they're the ones that's coddling them. But at the end of the day, that culture has to be built. You cannot miss the mark on that. You cannot pull, you know, all right, well, today, okay, maybe not. No, it has to be consistent. And I'm so thankful that you have those out there. So I'm definitely supporting. Uh, when we get off, I'll definitely go take a look at them. All our listeners, make sure you do that too, because this brother know what he's talking about. You know, coach. there's a lot of faith that has to come with doing all of these endeavors. And granted, you know, there's some mountain moments and there's some valley moments that I always talk about on here. Can you talk a little bit about your faith journey and, you know, the start of that? Some people start in different places. Some start when they grew up, some start later in life. Can you talk a little bit about your faith journey and how your faith kind of drives you in every aspect of your life?
1: Great question. Uh, like I said, I, I was young when I started Sunday school. <clears throat> I was 15 years old, gave my life to Christ and uh, definitely had live, have lived a perfect life, still isn't there yet. I was at a funeral today and they were saying that Graduation is when you die. So, in the faith, you don't graduate. You don't say, I figured it out. I got it out. No, I'm still learning. I'm still growing in my faith. And I got saved at a young age. And at a young age, I got to the point where I wasn't ashamed of my faith. I wasn't embarrassed to say I'm a Christian. I wasn't embarrassed to say I'm a believer. Even if you said, Yeah, you're a believer, but I seen that note that you wrote to Keisha. Now, who the Christian now? I'm like, Yeah, I'm a Christian. I need to be delivered, saved, set free, pray for, but I'm a Christian. I, I, I got to go in some areas. And so it started out really young and I went to college. I was involved with FCA, involved with FCA in high school, fellowship of Christian athletes, that helped me. Uh, but what really helped me was these two gentlemen in my church, David Presley and Lorenzo Martin. They were in their twenties. They were in the military and I was like 15 and me and the pastor's sons, we really looked up to those guys. Um, I mean, we really admired them. And I saw them walk with the Lord at a young age. Like, my daddy was saved, but he was old. Deacon Davis was saved, but he was old. Deacon Barnes was saved, but they were old. Like, these guys in their 20s, uh, Brother Martin, who later became a deacon, he had a prelude with mirror tint on the bottom. They had jades on. They had thump in their car. Like, I was like, man, you could be, you can be fly and be saved. You can have drip and be saved. Like, you could be, fr-. like, I didn't know that. So I was like, man, I don't have to wait till I'm 40 to get saved. I can get saved. So that that really helped me. And what, what is that that principle has been my principle my whole life now? I think all of us should have a mentor and a mentee. Just like Paul mentored Timothy, we should yeah. have somebody that speaks into our life that can call us out. That not, I ain't talking about the little fake. What are you struggling with, Coach Fears? But well, I need to read my Bible more. And I'm not talking about that crap. I'm talking about what are you really struggling with? Like, who's sliding your DMs? When's the last time you fast yeah. and pray? When's the last time you read your... When the last, like, so we need somebody in our life that's going to stretch us, that's going to pull us, that's going to be our coach. See, I believe if I coach you, you you're going to be better because you was in the program that God put you in under me. You're going to be better. I'm going to make you better in some way. If, if you play for me, I'm going to make you better. So we need somebody in our life that's going to pull us and stretch us and make us uncomfortable. At the same time, we need to be pouring into somebody else's life. And that's why I enjoy the ministry of coaching so much because every day you have an opportunity to point to somebody else's life. So for me, my faith journey has been just that. Everywhere I've been, we've done Bible study. Uh, coach, I've even washed my coach's feet, like literally. See, I believe true serving leadership is the example, of course, of Jesus Christ. And what did he do when he was at the last supper? He's the most powerful person in the room. Like yeah. you, Coach, you got all the power. Are we going to run man or zone? You got to ask nobody. You make that decision. What are, we, what are we going to do for workouts today? What are we going to do for conditioning today? Like, when you are the AD, when you're the principal, when you're the president, when you're the superintendent, you have all the power in the room. When you're the pastor. Like, what do you do with that power? You could fire people, you can hire people, you could be mean, you could be sweet, you could be assertive, you could be uh, aggressive, you could be a uh, uh, passive. Like, right? what do you do with that power? What Jesus did with that power, he got on his knees and he washed their feet. And one of those jokers in that Judas was going to sell them out. So he washed their feet of somebody he knew was talking behind his back. He knew they was gonna steal from him. Yeah. He knew he was gonna lie. But like, he watched his feet anyway. He watched the feet of, of Peter who he knew was gonna lie and say, I don't even know him. Who he knew was gonna cuss and say, man, I ain't never met dude before. He still watched his feet. So what I'm saying is a true servant leader is a foot washer. N- not, not a person that's trying to oh, get more lights what? on social media. Not a person that's trying to be seen more. Not a person with a brand new profile pic every day. Not a person with the nicest car and the nicest shoes. Nothing wrong with those things but our goal should be to chase Christ. And what he did, he laid on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. So when somebody says, describe at my funeral, describe Coach Smith, I want them to say, man, that dude was a foot washer. I don't want to say he was a great speaker. He was a good coach. He got coach of the year. You know, they want you to have that real good team. And I want to say, man, this dude was going to serve. He was going to put the chairs up. He was going to sweep the floor. He was going to mop the floor. He was going to clean the toilets. He was a servant leader by his actions. And to me, that's what I hope my prayer journey becomes. And it is that I'm a foot washer. I'm not too big to do the small details because if Jesus worked in the school, he wouldn't be the principal. He wouldn't be the AD. He'd be the custodian. If Jesus worked at your school, he would be the custodian. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't want the big titles. He wouldn't Come wear a on. suit every day. He'll have a little thing with his little name on it and say Jesus right there. And he'll be saying, y'all pick up your paper. All right, baby. Or oh, <laughs> the, the, the toilet overflow, somebody threw up. Don't worry, I got it, baby. That's who we need to strive to be. We need to strive to be foot washers. That's a true servant leader.
0: And a second, I'm about to start throwing stuff at you. you you're a country boy, so you know. Because that is golden. Like, oh my goodness, and you're so right. There's so many things picked out of that. One, to the younger listeners, and even the older ones, went. You Servant leaders are foot washers, not fan chasers. How often do we try to do, you know, I was listening to Steve Harvey, his like inspirational nuggets, like nine minutes in the morning for my podcast listeners, go ahead and listen to it. And he was just talking about how we think that we're failing because we are comparing our actions to what the world asked for us to do. But how often do we sit and ask God what he's called us to do? So we're thinking, oh, I got to do this. These people are not liking this. That's not your That's not your part. God called you for a reason. Do this and I'll take care of the rest. If we focus on being servant leaders and being foot washers, especially, especially as you pointed out to those that, you know, maybe talking behind our backs, those that may not believe in us, those that are, you know, throwing a rock and hide the hand. Those are the ones where that's where true servant leadership and the love of Christ comes in When You know, people have done you wrong, are doing you wrong, or don't have a good heart or thought about you. Yet you still serve anyhow, because that is what God called us to do. It ain't easy. I ain't saying that. But at the same time, too, how often does God continue to bless us and forgive us? And we know what we do. I'm just, Ooh. God's and and i say, you meddling, nah. You meddling. <laughs> yeah. Meddling. But I mean, coach, come on now. And that's what I tell people. It's not, well, Chelsea, it, it, I'm just saying, you know, she wasn't right. You're absolutely right. I know, not be, I'm not right to people, people not right to me. No one is perfect, but the one that we serve. But what I want you to say is for that very moment where you feel that you just can't continue to be God-like, think about the next time you need him to forgive you. God, I just, please forgive me because, and he says no. All right, check ourselves oh. Coach, coach, coach. <laughs> Real quick, coach.
1: I'm coaching the Jefferson County a kid named Brian Cromedy. Breon was a stud on the team before I got there, but they were one and nine. They were horrible. So my first year there, we were blessed. We end up in the final four or a or, or, or second round thing. And um, and it uh, was we small school. I think it was on the four rounds of the state championship. End up a couple of years later, they won the state championship when I left. Great team. They did a great job. But he um started acting the fool. Wouldn't act right. Wouldn't do right. Wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't work hard. And so I said, "Look, man, you got one more opportunity. You go off this team. I'm sick of it." But coach, you got me playing offensive line. I've been a running back my whole life. I've been a linebacker my whole life. I said, yeah, "But y'all have won any games that way." So it's not about you. It's about us. We need you to play offensive line. So he wouldn't do right. He wouldn't do the drills. He late to practice. He pitching the fit. acting up. So I end up letting him go. So you 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 you've gotten yourself kicked off the team. You're off the team. So he goes to my wife with the guidance counselor. So a couple of weeks later, my wife comes to me. And we haven't had a big win. My wife said, "Can I talk to you about Breon?" I said, "Whoa, man. We don't do that. You ain't talking about <laughs> no." Huh? Nope. We're in the bed, coach. We land in the bed. Can I talk to you about Brian? How did dude sleep in my bedroom? No, you cannot. She said, He he's sorry. He wants you to forgive him. I said, Baby, nobody forgiving him. You should have thought about that. You're a front runner. No, Brian is through. You should have thought about that. No lie, coach. Had a dream that night. I was face to face with God. And God said to me, You the man, you the head coach, you the AD. If you ain't gonna forgive him, you ain't gonna forgive him. That's your thing. But remember that when you come ask me for forgiveness. Woo. And I felt the pressure on me, and this is this never happened to me before. God gave me the Bible verse. I got up in the middle of the night. I went in the living room. I, took, I think it was in Luke. I turned to the Bible verse, and the Bible verse, and I've read I, I've given many sermons on forgiveness, but this Bible verse the only time I found it might have been a mark, but it says, "With the same measure which you forgive, I'm gonna forgive you." So God was saying, "Look, bro, you do your thing. I'm a gentleman. I'm not gonna pressure you. If you don't want to forgive him, don't." But just remember that when you need forgiveness. Coach, that morning, I went and find that joke in the lunchroom. I gave him a hug. I said, man, welcome back to the team, man. We so happy you back. You're going to be the captain this week, man. God is so good. Welcome back, Breon. And he ended up of with Concordia and going to college. But I'm telling you, I learned that lesson very, very tough, that I need to forgive because I want to be forgiven. Hey, and won't he
0: do it? Like, I tell you. He doesn't make me wonder when he tells me something. It's blatant. When God speaks, it's blatant. It's not what I think he said. Uh. Uh-uh. And like, shout out to Coach Jada Williams, said, calls him God whispers. He doesn't whisper. He yells. He talks in full tone. Uh, I'm trying to tell you this. No, it's not anybody else. It's me. Now, what you gonna do? And and I think that's golden, Coach, because so often it is hard. Right? It doesn't mean that that person wasn't wrong or that. We're not trying to, but even in my program, same thing, you know, and my godmother, she's on our staff and so often she'll say, Chelsea, I know, but I just think about this now, you know, I'm like, yeah, but you know, all right, but just think about this. And it really does pierce your side because you think about it. And you say, okay, now if the shoe on another foot and when I mess up and I looked it up for you as Matthew seven and two, for in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged with the measure you use and we measure to you. I think that's golden coach. Awesome. Thank you. Let that one breathe for a minute. Yeah, I'm guilty of it. No doubt. I've been guilty of it. Yeah. Yep. That's <clears throat> it. Coach, yep. you're know, mm-hmm. you already dropping gems over here. I'm sitting over here making the bracelet to put on when I drop this pod. You know, there's so much going on in this world today with our young people and even us adults and as coaches just trying to find the strength and the endurance to keep doing this in a world where like I said, it's not easy. You know, these young people, we always say that they're different, but why are they different is the question I tell people. Okay. They may be, um, but why have you ever asked yourself why? And things are ever changing and they're dealing with things that, you know, as an adult, sometimes I'm looking, I'm like, would I make it through that? You know? And so can you talk a little bit about as a coach, as a leader, as an educator, when we have our hands on people, Right. How can we make sure that we're not running on E and burning out in the midst of the job? Because it's hard. So how can we make sure that we stay uh, energized and fill our tanks in that? And how do you fill your tank as you're trying to fill other people?
1: My goodness, coach! I'm telling you, you that question needs to be asked to all of us regularly. Uh, mm-hmm. In the book, shameless plug, coach. In my book, <laughs> do you think transforming your life from good to great? There's a chapter called "The Leader Needs a Poor. And I talk about I used to be I used to be a server, and I knew this. I would get a good tip if your glass don't ever hit empty. I could mess the order up. I could I could get the food out late. But if you stay filled and not thirsty, I'm gonna get a good tip. So, but I realized if my pitcher of tea was not full, I couldn't fool your glass of tea. So I had to go to the back and fill up my pitcher in order for me to fill up your glass. So if I'm leading my team. And I'm not getting filled. It's just empty. First Corinthians chapter 13 says it's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So what love does when you lead out of love, you feel people love. You feel their cup up. They get overflow. And the truth is, we can't minister unless we're ministering out of the overflow. You, you can't... Right, Coach, think about the anxiety you feel when your phone is on E, your phone is like on 10%, and your car is on E. Think about that anxiety. You're driving... <laughs> And yeah. your car, you're, you're in the country now. You're you, where you're from. You ain't got a good signal and you're on 10% and your car on E. And it's like two in the morning because you come back from a game or a tournament. You're trying to figure out, is the gas station going to be open? Like there's anxiety because you're not empty. Well, that's your fault, coach, for letting your phone get that low and letting your tank get that low. Yeah. I don't snap on my wife unless I'm on empty. I don't snap on my children unless I'm on empty. I don't snap on my team unless I'm on empty. So I can't allow myself to get empty. So what I do, coach, I set up opportunities to grow in my faith. So every morning I read my Bible, have a quiet time, listen to a, a, a biblical podcast, listen to a sermon every morning, I, I um, every, every, uh, periodically, I don't want to say every day because sometimes my Bible study in, I put myself in a Bible study. Coach, I was in a, a Bible study this morning with John Gray, the famous pastor, and I'm going to be honest. My flesh, I didn't really want to be in a Bible study with him for a lot of reasons, stuff I've heard. But yeah. not just that, but he just—I'm not—I'm not a, I wasn't a big fan of him. I love TDJ, I love Joel o. C. It's the people I like he in circles with. But I wasn't dying to get on this call. But the guy over, a friend of mine, Lee Jenkins, a pastor in Atlanta, he let like, me make sure you jump on this call. So I'm like, all right, man, I get on it. Most amazing Bible study conference Zoom talk I ever heard in my life this joker cried like a baby for probably 20 minutes of the 30 minutes he talked to us i'm talking about so transparent i hope it never gets out they're talking about putting it out for every man to hear because men can go. i don't know if this should be it. like it was i needed it i so I, I put myself in those so i'm in that bible study i'm in a bible study with a you ever heard of pastor jensen franklin um it's some guys at his church uh a guy named um the, main, the guy named Michael Thurman, one of his pastors, he put me in that Bible study. So I'm in that Bible study every mon- Monday. I do all these things, coach. I go to church every Wednesday night. I go, not doing football season, but when it's not football season, every Wednesday night. I go to church every Sunday. I have friends who point to me. Now, for being real with you, coach, I'm not always feeling it when I'm listening to the sermon.
0: Agreed. Uh, it's just on.
1: It's just on. That's facts. I'm, That's just I'm not always. Real. I'm not feeling it when I read my Bible. It's on. But I, I have my Bible out. and when I'm driving, when I get up in the morning, drive to work, I listen to one chapter of the Bible every morning. Coach, you can ask me four seconds later what chapter it was, what they were talking about. I don't know. Now, some mornings I be feeling it and I can preach a sermon right out here. And then some mornings I'm just checking a box. But I believe going through the motions is better than not doing it at all. And so the way I stay poured into is I do those things. I, I was talking with a guy the other day and I was telling him something that Michael Thurman told me. <clears throat> it's important as coaches that we win at home. So we we, we want to win on the court to keep our job, keep our name good, prestige, status, awards, all that. But some of us pastors, teachers, principals, especially coaches, we winning at work, but we're not winning at home. We winning in the corporate America, we're number one salesperson for the month, but we're losing at home. So when I'm, I've been going, I went to a funeral yesterday, funeral today, and I see on the obituary, it says survive by. It don't have any players listed. It got family listed. So we got to win at the house. And that's one of the things I'm guilty of. I can tell you right now, Coach, my thesis statement is faith, family, football. That's my, in that order. My faith comes first, then my family. But the truth is, Coach, if you follow me around, it's football, 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 a little bit of faith, a little bit of family. Because I do a Bible study with my coaches, and then my family hug me after the game. no. If I'm being real, I need to be more intentional with my family. I need to be more intentional with my faith. I don't really need to go through the motions and show up to, for, for the sake of showing up. So you ask the question, how do I stay filled up so I can pour another? I'm intentional. I write it down. I make sure I'm a part of a Bible study. I just don't think it's just going to happen. God is going to bless me. No, I have to put my first foot forward, my best foot forward, so I can grow. And then, Coach, I don't want to be at a church that, that itch my ears, I want to be somewhere where they step on my toes, where I'm challenged, where I'm stretched, where I'm in a bad mood sometime when I leave, like, man, oh, I ain't be better. He right. man, he right. How he knew that? Why in my business? You know, so I do those things to help me grow. And I go through seasons, coach. I go through seasons where I'm so close to God, I can sense things. My spirit is full. Then I go through seasons, sometime of doubt, some time of depression, some time of anxiety, some time of, I want to get out of this situation, but because of my friends and my mentors, I don't have a friend that's going to tell me, man, you ought to get a divorce, man, you ought to leave. I don't have a friend to tell me, you ought to steal that money. Y'all raised that much money, wash the cost? Man, you ought to take half of it. Cause I don't have a friend that'll tell me, man, I'll cuss them out if I was you. i cut. I don't have them kind of friends, though. My yeah. friends, when I go to them with some mess, they come back to me with a word. Come on now. And my wife getting on my nerves. They come back to me with the word. You pray for the wife, so you need to figure it out. When I go to my friend, man, I can't stand my ball. I'm going to go off on the joker. They come back to me with the word. You know, so I I have people around me. My support system is is godly. They're walking with the Lord. So it doesn't give me the opportunity to get in a corner, get on this soapbox, and let the devil get the victory because I'm over the man. I'm angry. No, they're going to let me talk. They're going to let me think. And when I finish, I'm going to get the word. So I'd be like, man, I shouldn't even call you. Bye. I don't want to hear (laughs) that. But that's what I need to hear. And that's how I stay poured into
0: Yeah. Coach, I'm just, that's so jam-packed. Like, oh my goodness. And I'm telling you, even starting back from, you know, not being able to pour from an empty cup, right? And the leader needs a pour. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm that person. If I, you know, hadn't done it since last February when the pandemic really began. But if I am at a restaurant, if you keep my cup, on a refill you're good i can i can attest to that you're absolutely you're going to get i don't i'm not picky as long as my food's hot and if it's not I'm just to say hey can i get it warmed up you ain't have to recook it can i get it warmed up and as long as you keep me with the pepsi or a sweet tea filled to the brim without me having to hawk you down we're good and i think that's so amazing because you said the best part you said but i can't refill others if my pitcher is empty I have to make sure that I stay filled so that I can make sure that I can pour into other people. The problem with that is we're running on e, still trying to pour. and hey Coach, let me tell you this, Coach. But see,
1: Coach, you're right. But when we pour, it's the same motion. It looks yes. like we're pouring, we're coaching, we're clapping, we're hollering, but Come there's on. nothing coming out. There's no substance, nothing. Coach. Like I'm pouring in your glass and you can have me like, why are you doing the pouring motion, but there's nothing coming out of your picture, sir? Go fill your picture up and come back. Even in church, we have the hollering and doing all this, but there's no substance to what's coming out because oh there's boy. nothing inside.
0: So we have to be filled up in order to pour out. And here's the other portion, Coach. I'm going to add this. I just thought about this. You know, when you get to the very bottom of the lemonade, sweet tea, Kool-Aid, come on, red, I'm a country girl, all right? When you get to the bottom and you didn't pour, you didn't stir or do anything, what's at the bottom? All the food, the sugar, gunk, right? It's nothing that you want to deliver to someone else. It's nothing transferred to anybody else. But that's what you're taking that. Yeah, but we gotta be
1: stirred up. We don't want to be stirred up. We don't want anybody to get in our business. We don't want anybody to stir us up. And so what happens is, Everything that God has for us, it sinks down to the bottom. So we're pouring, and they're not getting the pureness of what they should be getting because we didn't allow somebody to stir us up. And we don't want to give anybody that gunk. That's going to the next book. i give you some credit. Come on. Hey, yeah,
0: there you go. That's it. <laughs> but, Coach, you know, I'm laughing. And I'm so tired. Coach Kendra, who's in here, she is, like, getting her whole life right now. But it, it is so true, and, and it's amazing. I'm a visual person, and I think it's the educator in us that you take real-world situations and you turn into things that people are like, yeah, that has happened to me before. But it's so true, and that's what happens in every aspect of our lives. We're, we're still trying, right? We're not All our listeners, we're not faulting you for trying, right? You're still trying to go on and keep moving, but that's what's happening. You're not pouring something that's needed. And the other portion is, just like that friend circle, I always talk about who has a seat at your table, we have some people taking up space. That's not helping. You have some people that if you you can't sit at my table if you can't tell me the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. You can't sit at my table if you're bringing drama to the table. You can't sit at my table if you're trying to compete with me at my table. I'd have made a whole meal and you trying to bring stuff to the table and you whispering to the left and right trying to ruin a dinner at the table. Those are the things that we have to check. And so when you mentioned stirring up the gift, that's what I keep hearing. We run off people that are, that God sent us because, oh my God, they hurt my feelings when they told me the truth. Notice what I said. Not they hurt my feelings with what they said. They hurt my feelings when they told me the truth. We're running off people and compete with people that God sent to make us better, but we don't like what they said. Why? Because it was the truth. And you need to Yep.
1: Yeah, and we need to allow people that access in our life yeah, to be honest and be real with us. And we need to cut people off that shouldn't be at the table. We got to cut them off. Look, I love you. We cool, but you can't be in my life, speaking in my life. If I'm going to tell you this, Coach. I coached at Pensacola for years. Mm-hmm. And the coaches there, they were not edifiers. It was all about, my thing is, Coach, if I'm playing against you, we're going to try to beat the brakes off y'all. I don't care if you're my mama. Y'all show up, y'all gotta get it. But it's not personal. And when the game is over, or before the game, I'm gonna love on you. I'm gonna try to help you, coach. When I moved to Montgomery, Alabama, those guys—I mean, I was there two days. I got a phone call. I got a text. Hey, coach, uh, I wanna welcome you to the Gump. You need anything? Let me know. I like this might be a setup. Like, why would a dude text me welcome? Like, we played them, Might wanna welcome me, coach. Two days later, I got a phone call. Hey, coach, this Tyrone Rodgers. Hey, man. If you wife need a hair done, here the top three salons. Here go three churches y'all should check out. Uh, Coach, if y'all ain't got a house yet, my friend's a realtor. Welcome to Montgomery, man. We want to help you in any way we can. Then I got another one. About three weeks later, hey, Coach, we're going to go get wings over here at Hours. Uh, Come through, holler at us. Like, I had never been around people that were genuinely wanting you to, to, to succeed. And these guys... These coaches in Montgomery, Alabama, they wanted me to do well. They didn't know me, but they was like, man, you're a coach, so we're in a fraternity. We're together. We're in a unique fraternity, so we're going to look out for each other. Now, the night that we play each other, we're going to try to smash our all head in. Y'all try to smash our head in, but we're in the business of loving on children, and we want to help you do that. And so I say that to say I had to learn I want to be that guy, not the guy like with Pensacola with guys trying to back by your undercut you. So what I started doing coach. If I knew a dime football started off 0-3, I'd start reaching out to him. I didn't talk football. I'd start checking on him. If I knew a basketball coach started out 2-7, and 7, I'd start reaching out to him. Loving on him. Hey, what's up, coach? Everything good? Hey, man, let hey, me meet at Chick-fil-A, man. Get you some nuggets. And so I learned a lot of us have a lot of fake friends when we're winning. But when adversity hits, we find out who really at our table. And some of the folks at our table saying, I should have been the head coach. She don't know what she's doing. I wouldn't oh, have done what? that. What would we look like running man against them? This is so stupid. And then when I come around, okay, hey coach, how you doing, coach? Hey. And they want to go around. So I learned a long time ago. I don't want to be that person because it's not, it's easy yeah. to be that person. I mean, Stephen A. Smith makes 11 million dollars a year just to second guess people. So yeah. everybody wants a second guess. And so I get, but I don't want to be one of those. I I want to be a guy to uplift you edify you, love on you. Like, Coach, look at Coach Sosinski. Great coach. Them jokers under 500. Like, it can happen to anybody, Coach. Any of us can have a bad season, a bad day, a bad week. So I learned a long time ago that I want to be an edifier. I want to lift people up. I want to love them.
0: Those are facts. Those are are facts. And and when you face the facts, that is, we need more people like that, you know. And it's so sad, Coach, because what you're describing is – because there's so many people that do it the wrong way, when individuals reach out like you, they think that person has a motive. Yep. And that's the sad part, you know, and not just in sports in life, when you try to do right or just are kind for kind's sake and being good for good sake, you know, goodness sake, people think you have a motive. And that is sad. But I think you're you're on top of the game with, with what you said. And as coaches, I think that's something that we all need to practice because if we truly we've been there, it may not be your year or your season. As my pastor would say, it may not have stopped by your pew yet. But I tell people, sports are a rise and a fall. I don't care how much people try to recruit if you're on a high school level or you know try to pull these people and these teams together. Whatever the case may be, everyone on every level, level goes through a rise and a fall. You're going to have your winning season. You have your losing season. You have your rebuilding season. That's in sports and in life. So you just have to remember that when you're in your winning season, please, please be that same person because when it turns around for you, right? On the high and the low rise, That goodness is what shines through. That character is what shines through. And those are the people I look at and it's like, man, they've been the same. No matter if they're losing or winning, they've always been the same. That character remains stabilized. So I love that, Coach. You know, you you have so much truth that you speak and you can tell it's come from life. You can tell it's come from learning. You can tell it's come from Christ. You can tell it's come from the stops that you've been um, through, you know. But Coach, there's a lot of coaches that as we talked about before I came on today, at, who find it hard rather it's because of their current post where they are right now, or you know, as you spoke, there was a time where you stopped being ashamed about your faith. Whatever the reason may be, there are many coaches, athletes, and athletic professionals who have a hard time with not being ashamed of their faith. We're not meaning that you got to walk around with a sign and hey, I'm a Christian, follow me. No, because that's not what God asked you to do. But what he is saying is basically to let your light shine so that they may see my good works and glorify me in heaven he did say that at the end of the day he just wants us to go to all you nations and preach the gospel understand that that doesn't mean let me get my bible and give a sermon that literally my gospel my ministry is just in my walk and doing some of the same things that you just said so coach can you give us a little bit of encouragement and some you know you know kind of what i want to say some nuggets on helping coaches i always say working to normalize coaches and athletic professionals of faith How can we normalize this thing to where we don't feel ashamed or afraid or, you know, even, shall I say, you know, feeling like I can't be a follower of Christ because of the job title that I hold?
1: I I think it is rooted in fear. And we know that God is not a God of fear. I think we're afraid of what people are going to say. We're afraid that somebody's going to say, well, I know he's done this, this, and this. I know she does this, this, and this so they can't say out loud that they're a believer because I know these things about them. What what i what I learned recently is a hypocrite is not a person that says one thing and does another. That's a human. Like I, I, I say, like I, I tell my kids, this year I'm not gonna text and drive, but well, that lasts about three days. You know, I, I mean, I gotta work on it and I'm, I'm not good. So I don't think that's a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a person that says one thing, but is, another thing Mm. not 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 one act but you say one thing but your lifestyle is totally different from what you're saying so i think we get that confused and you know this coach you can't have a leader on your team that's gonna tell me let's say you got a girl she plays guard and she's screaming at everybody y'all need to work hard y'all need to get your hands up on defense y'all need to get back on y'all need to set the screen but she never comes to practice she comes to practice once a week You can't open your mouth and get on us. You don't even show up half the time. That's right. So I think we're afraid to speak up about our faith because we out loud live against what we say we believe. So we have to, for folks sake, have a come to Jesus meeting with ourselves. Are we really convicted when we sin? And is there fruit that comes from our walk? If there's no conviction, if I can cuss you out and it don't bother me, I might not be saved. If I can steal from you and it don't bother me, I might not be saved. If I can be your friend, but I'm openly recruiting your player who plays across town from me, I I might not. If that don't bother me, I might not be saved. If I can lie, cheat, st- no, I'm not saying if you do those things. We're all gonna make mistakes, but it should bother you. You should have problems sleeping, problems eating. You should be bothered by it, convicted by it. If there's no conviction, then you probably really not saved in the first place. The other thing I would say is. We gotta realize that it's our job to preach the gospel constantly using words when necessary. Everybody doesn't have an oratorical gift. Everybody's not a great communicator. Let me tell you something. If I walk in your gym and I hear profanity, the N-word, and I hear uh, uh, disrespecting women from the music you play or from your mouth, not saying you're not saved, but it's very difficult to tell because of the culture that's set by the music you play. I learned a long time ago that I witnessed the people by the music that we played in our weight room. College coaches called me because I came in a weight room and you were playing hip hop, but I ain't hear no cussing. You were playing hip hop, but they were talking about God, but it wasn't lame. It wasn't corny. Like who was that? And so I, I started sitting out a list. Look, look, I'm not saying if you listen to young Jesus, you're going to hell. I'm not saying listening to Little Baby Gonna Sing Hell, but there is other music that goes with what we're trying to teach. We're not trying to teach, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. The Whipping Nene song, the whole lyrics was watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. me." I told our guys, I said, guys, we don't want anybody to watch you. We want everybody to watch us. Where's the song that says, watch us, watch us, watch us? It ain't about you. It's about us. I don't want to watch you dance, watch you make the shot and dance, watch you block a shot and get... Look at the crowd. No, we want you to make the shot and get your butt down the dog on court and get on defense. Tell them, us. Hey, anyway, So I wanted music that depicted what we were trying to teach. It's about us as a whole. I don't want a player that wants to be player of the year, wants to lead the league in three point percentage, wants to lead in scoring, want to average twenty one points a game, eight rebounds, three steals a game, four assists. But we won in twenty four. I want the person that says, I don't got to average nothing. I want to win every game. I want to dive on the ground. I don't want to bend over on the ground. I want to dive on the ground. The problem is, we got these folks that have this NBA. I'm going to make it to the NFL. We got those dreams, but we don't have that work ethic. We got the work ethic that's going to get us on the boys club team, get us on the church league team, get us on upper bound, the upward bound MVP. <laughs> we, you got that upper bound work ethic, but you got NFL dreams. You got oh, WNBA oh. dreams she, and then your mama, she telling you you the truth, baby, you the truth you the best, baby, you also. so my daughter struck out, it's all all the other day she was shocked she did in the car, my wife you know, my wife didn't play sports, she was our manager at Rubberford, she was a homecoming queen she was smart, but she was an athlete she said, baby, it's going to be alright I'm just, on my, I'm playing on my phone baby, it's going to be okay, keep your head up baby, I'm on my phone baby, you got to keep working hard, baby, I'm on my phone Keep God first, baby. I'm like, dang, got nothing to do with why she struck out. That's what I'm thinking. So then she said, this see the back. She know not to ask me. She know not to ask me. She put a little iPad, AirPod things in. So we almost at the house. She said, Dad, what do you think? I said, Tay, I think you're gonna struck up for the rest of the year, because you didn't put no extra work in. During the pandemic, on, we never went to the baton cage. You never, so let me tell you something about sports, Tay. Your personality ain't got nothing to do with it. Your walk with Christ ain't got nothing to do with it. Only thing your walk with Christ gonna do is help you give your all as working unto him, not to man. Other than that, God, the ball and the bat and the glove honors work ethic. It Good don't boy. honor personality. It's black history money. You black. It don't honor none of that. It honors wow, the, the time put in. You sat on your butt and watched Netflix during the pandemic when you should have been at the bank cage putting work in. You should have blisters on your head. You should be in a bad mood. That's how you get better. So I'm not sad struck out. I'm not sad you struck out. You deserve to strike out until you put the time in. And that's the same in our spiritual walk. My friends, my man, the temptation is killing me. You ain't spend no time with God. Of course, the temptation is gonna kill you. So we have to work, coach. There's no substitute for hard work. Coach, you may be a better coach than me. You may know more X's and O's than me, but you're not going to outwork me because while you're hunting and fishing, I'm grinding. While you're at a club, I'm grinding. Like, I don't have a hobby. My hobby is the Bible and my sport, and I like to speak to help people. So I'm going to outwork you, but that only happens when we're intentional about putting that time in. And a lot of us don't want to share our faith because we haven't put that time in with God. So we're not fluent. We don't know the scripture. We feel uncomfortable. We get embarrassed. because we ain't spent no time with God. But then when we get sick, when somebody got corona, when somebody is tired, now we want everybody to pray. Now we want everybody to come to God. Not, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Get off the bench. Get in the game. Get in the Bible. You know what's right. And allow yourself to be coached by someone that's further along in their faith than you are. Or you're going to always strike out at the plate and be shocked every single time.
0: Now, my mic is unmuted, but I'm just going to sit here for a second. Lord have mercy. Straight heat. I'm telling you, because for me, it's, you know how the the young kid said, it's the this for me. It's the truth for me, right? The no holes bar for me. Because that's it. And I'm laughing because I always tell people, I'm like, no, I don't want my kids to play basketball. They're not going to make it. I'm telling you. And it's not even about talent level it is exactly what you talked about i i was you know i was good i wasn't the best i was good but you weren't going to outwork me i tell anybody that and i'm blessed actually to coach where i went to school you know and our new boys basketball coach shout out to him dante guinea He's doing amazing things with our boys. And he, I honestly want to say, is our all-time leading scorer. I don't want to make that wrong, but I think I'm right. But again, he's now coaching where he went to school and played. And one of the main things that we tell our young ladies and our young men when we stand in that gym and we may be shooting and, and just talking to one another is y'all won't ever outwork us. You just won't. And that's the difference between then and now. We stayed in the gym. If the coach, for whatever reason, you know, we had practice and we want to get, no coach, please, can we get one more hour? We stayed playing. If the gym wasn't open, we going to go find another gym. If the gym not open, we going outside. You were not going to outwork us. You're not going to outwork me now. You know, my knees don't hold up like they used to, you know, but I tell them, all right, it took me about three weeks to recover this time, but I had to show them. And I told them, I said, you know, this person, you know, coach, right? But when I play you, I'm not your coach. I'm your opponent and I I asked one of the players I said now tell me was there a difference she just started laughing and it was like the yeah you are right because you're not going to beat me and outwork me. You're not going to beat me because you won't outwork me and and, it is different and these young people today and these coaches today have to understand it's more about what we do than what we say it's easy to say I'm a ball player, but do we fit the bill right. The, the, my box that's in my garage is not a car just because it's in the garage just because I say something no you have to have the descriptions and I laugh because what you, you it was almost like I don't want my daughter to say nothing but when she does I'm ready and that's why I, right. <laughs> because I'm thinking to myself baby please don't ask your daddy I know this happened already but I'm like please don't ask your daddy because I know he has an answer for you but coach could you just imagine and I know you could if we have more parents, more coaches, more mentors like that, that don't coddle, that don't tell them what they want to hear, you tell them what they need to hear. And then, here's the thing. Mama will would tell me right now, baby, you missed too many layups. I don't, I don't know what was going on with you tonight. You missed way too many layups. Now, you need to get your butt back out there. You know, I look this week. You weren't out there as much as you've been out there. That was the type of mom I had. Not but Coach, okay. that, that's
1: why, that's why you're where you are right now, though. Because it's, not, it's no accident. Coach, I don't know you. But I know your parents already. I, I, like, I know how you was raised already. So yeah. Everything about you, Coach, how you dress on your abs, even your logo, like, everything about you said tells me your resume. You're always interviewing with people. Like, when I first saw you on social media, I like, let me take this girl. out. Like, she always over here. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. i like, okay, she a culture girl, obvious. Okay. <laughs> she love little ball, obvious. Okay. So i know who you are i know your parents though they didn't put up with no crap that's why you the person that you are today
0: very true let me tell you shout out to the late james and ernestine muse and to my mom vicky muse johnson you hear me didn't play and there was so many other people part of my village that that you know one i'm right on here now she's my godmother she you know she would say the truth Ooh, mm-mm. i don't know what's wrong with you tonight but no Like, and that's what I had. And it was never to come at you. It was always followed up by, but what you going to do next? And even now, when we talk about those people that sit at your table and yes men and no men, you know, Coach Kendra, who's on here, she'll tell me, she's like, well, Chelsea, honestly, and she's about to laugh. She'll tell me, is that a fact or is that a thought? You know, I could be venting and man, Well, Chelsea, I mean, is that a thought or is that fact? And you need that. And so I think you're so right about that. And we have to begin to change that culture of what's coming behind us. Because y'all, these young people that we speak about, that they're so different, I want y'all to understand they're our future. I want y'all to understand that they're going to fill our roles and our shoes, right? We want you to understand these players that we're saying are soft are going to become these coaches that then is going to continue to cycle. And so if they're soft players, they're going to be soft coaches if no one gives them uh, a development that they need if no one shows them different. So we can talk about it or we can be about it. We can change the narrative. And like Coach Moten always says, we can be demanding. I think that's amazing, Coach. Oh, goodness. I can't. I could can talk like a whole nother hour. I really could. I told you. When I first saw you, I said, man, like this could be my little
1: sister or big sister. I don't how old you are. This could be my cousin. Like I knew it from the rip. I said, I, like somebody asked me what time, could I coach? You know, for uh, can I be an assistant again? I said, if I respect the head coach and we're like minded, I could definitely be an assistant, you know, yeah. but they need to know I'm an outworker. Like, I don't care about the head coach. I'm going to be the one that sweep the floor. I'm going to be the one that put the cones out. I'm going to get the clock ready. I'm going to be the one that wash the uniform. They don't have nothing to do, so they can hire me if they want to, but I'm gonna outwork outworker. <laughs> and so, but I knew it because when I first met, I saw you, I said, yeah, she's good people already. And she could cook, bruh. <laughs> like, bruh. That's, I told you before we talked. A female that can cook and can ball, that's like a unicorn, Coach. I'm just <laughs> telling you, Coach. Like, I, I ain't talking about spaghetti. I'm talking about cook. Coach. I ain't talking about warm noodles up, brown meat, and put sauce on it. I'm talking about can cook. And when you be putting the minions out there, I'm like, bruh. Man, won't he do it? That gave me hope. I tell my son. <laughs> Hey, if some grandmamas still teaching their uh, daughters, granddaughters how to cook, baby, you're gonna be all right.
0: Oh yeah, it's out there. And I'm telling you, it's when we even if they're far few, if we continue to translate that over, you know, because I'm telling you right now, you go, my kid, I, I don't care, boy, girl, whoever, get your butt in the kitchen. Cause that's what they did. And not by you, some traditions have to last. That's what traditional. You're right. Tradition has to uphold and last. Because what happens when you don't have tradition, you got people out there all on different pages and there is no structure. So, again, you know, I love it and, and I appreciate that, Coach. You know, as we begin to close up, and I know that you're definitely going to be when I always say it, you know, I try my best to stay connected with everyone, but I know for a fact that we, we're going to definitely stay connected. But as we start to close this call, Coach, you know, this is the servant leader. Coach's Bible study where servant leadership is the platform and and how we're trying to build better servant leaders and you've already given i mean i don't ever want to be biased but you already given one of the best definitions that we had i even had to tweet the thing while i'm sitting here talking to you where you said servant leaders are foot washers not fan chasers. i i'm about fill out my chair but i'm on a mission to create the longest but truest definition of what servant leader leadership really is not a tagline and a hashtag but truly building athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals that are servant leaders. So when I ask you, Coach, what is servant leadership? What would you say?
1: My answer to that question, what is servant leadership, is very simple. I'm a visual person just like you. And this is going to sound cheesy and not as deep as a foot washer. But when I think servant leadership, I think custody. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Cause mm-hmm. no one thinks twice about the custodian. No one gives a custodian praise. We don't walk in the building and say, "Man, this is a clean school." We're grateful for our custodian. This is a clean church. We're grateful for the janitor. My daddy worked as a custodian at, at an elementary school. Uh, a guy named Bishop Randy Williams was one of the is one of the big time preachers in our little town of Panama City, but he was a custodian at my high school the whole like for twenty seven years. And I would see him on Sundays when I would go to the church or we would have meetings together. And he was suited in boots. He was a bishop, had an armor bear. They would walk with him. They would honor him. And then I would see him on Monday with that same zeal, that same passion, mopping those floors, sweeping. I see him with that same zeal. So I want to be the custodian. That's what I want to be. I, my, I thrive to be the mop and bucket guy. And to me, that's servant leadership and to add to that, we have to be uncomfortable. Jesus was a servant leader. He was uncomfortable on the cross. That's how we get to heaven, because he had to be uncomfortable. Our problem is we want to be comfortable. We've made it. We're the head coach now. I pictures in the paper. We're on the news. We want a nice office. We want people to come in and tell us how great we are. I learned this, coach. There are two positions available in our life. There's a humbler and an exalter. Two spots. If I humble myself, God will exalt me. But if I exalt myself, God will say, you know what? The exalting is already taken care of, so I guess I'm going to have to humble with it. So I'm, I'm going to humble him. He's going to go through something that's going to humble him because I'm supposed to humble, but he already he I'm supposed to exalt. He already done that. So coach, for me, if, you, if you're on your team and we're going back, and it's a 2-3, and they're coming down, and you know I'm supposed to attack the person with the ball. If somebody's already doing it, I need to do somebody else's job. In football, I tell my guy, I don't have two bus in one hole. So if you got B-gap responsibility, but somebody's already in the B-gap, well, you don't go in the B-gap too. You go in the C-gap. but well, they're going to have a long run. You make him right. Don't go in the hole and say, Code, I'm just doing my job. Be smart. Don't be a robot. Go in the other hole. So if I exalt myself on social media in my life, in my marriage, if I go around, I'm the man, I'm this, I'm that, I'm all that, God going to say, cool, since you're doing the exalting, you only can take yourself so high, but since you want to take yourself up there, I will humble you, but if I humble myself, then God will exalt me, and that's what happened literally to him, he was on the cross, beat, buried, humbled, but then he was exalted when he ascended into heaven, and he's a true picture
0: of servant leadership, I just can't with you. I just can't. Like, so plain, but so powerful. And I don't mean plain like it's bland. No, because it's all parts of seasoned, okay? But you write the vision and make it so plain that it's like, you know what? I never saw it that way. And I immediately, when you said, and servant leadership to me is the the visual of I want to be the mop and bucket guy. I'm going to tell you this before we get off. My grandfather was the maintenance supervisor um, for multiple schools in Leon County Schools and at FAMU, right? And I will never forget this. So my current principal, uh, he was just getting to Godby and my grandfather had passed. Uh, Actually, the end of this month will be three years. So on his obituary was his picture. Him didn't know, but my principal actually showed up to the funeral. He came up, he said, I can't stay long, but I wanted to support and check on you. Warm my heart was so excited about that. So didn't see him, was off for a little bit. The very day that I came back to work, he came up to me, he said, Chelsea, this is crazy, right? He calls me, well, actually he calls me coach. He said, coach, this is crazy. He said, I was rushing, but I wanted to support you. He said, it wasn't until I made it back to the office and I put the obituary on the desk. He said, and was doing some other things. He said, but the next day I looked at the obituary and I looked at the picture I said, James Muse? He said, Chelsea, and then it all made sense. He said, I was working at NIMS Middle School when your grandfather was the maintenance supervisor. He said, when I tell you that man took pride in his job, his work, just respectful, all those things. And much like what you had just said earlier about you didn't have to know me. He said, now it all made sense why you do what you do. Now it all made sense how you're so calculated, how you're efficient, it made sense. Because if that's your grandfather, I know what trickled down and was instilled into you. And so that portion, just like you said, just resounds the fact over and over again that we have to be if if they're going to be it they have to see it we have to be the change they want to see we have to be the emulation of the tradition the values the respect but the servant leadership if we want the next generation shoot even the current generation to jump on board and that's the whole whole reason and and format behind the servant leader coaches bible study so Coach, I'm just so thankful for you, man. You done dropped so many nuggets. I just had to end up putting the pen down and just say, I'm just going to re-listen when we get off because I know I missed a bunch, but I, I could not miss the moment of God truly using you, coach. So I just want to one thank you for who you are because people th- take that for granted. Like it's hard to walk in God's calling when you hear everything on the left and the right but it's easy when you keep your eyes fixed on him and you can tell that you're a man who legitimately is just, God, I see you. All right, let me keep moving in his name. And I thank you just for your time. I thank you for your servanthood in the midst of everything you had going on today, still coming on and blessing us. And just for what you do just on a daily basis to just make players and coaches and educators and everybody better. So you are now part of the servant leader family gives me. I made
1: it baby. (laughs) I yeah. <laughs> it. I'm putting it on my resume, baby. It's going down. Right, hey, you got to pay for my pride because I'm going go somewhere and they're not going to sit me. I'm saying say, hey, bro, you know who I am? I'm part of servant leadership. Like, like, look, hey, hey, I'm part of Carl Chester. Carl, look, That's I don't got to win. I get to the front of the line. Yeah, That's coach, it. You let them know. You let them know line. and I'm vouching. No doubt. No doubt. But I hope I didn't talk too long, coach. Oh. Uh, 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 I'm going to tell you this one little quick tip. Yeah. I was preaching, I was a young boy preaching, and I used to preach to the youth, and then I preached in the main service. So nervous, I tried to preach like my pastor. And uh, a lady, everybody told me I did a good job, but a lady came to me afterwards, and she said, how come you didn't preach like you do to the young people? I said, well, you know, these were the older saints, you know, I didn't want to offend them. She said, God is giving you a certain personality and a certain energy. You need to always be that guy. And if the mm-hmm. audience doesn't like it, then you're not for that audience. Gotta bring them another preacher, and so mm-hmm. that helped me just be who I am. And so, with that being said, sometimes I could be long winded. So I hope I wasn't too long winded today. But I'm no,
0: you weren't. Trust me, you were not. And I, I, I'm so appreciative. I'm laughing because I know quite a few of the coaches who had games today. I already know when they hear this, like I'm just, I already know what that text message is gonna look like. That's why I'm smiling. So it, trust me, it was. Not even enough, if you ask me. I just wish, you know, but I know that you and I are going to stay connected after this, so I'm not too upset about it. So, Coach, if you don't mind, could you close us out with a prayer uh, before we go?
1: Yeah, I will. And just know I'm coming by to get a plate. I don't know when it is, but Anytime. you have my word on that. Sometimes I'm going a plate. Matter of Listen. fact, I may, when you feed your team, I may be in the back just with my own <laughs> styrofoam plate. Oh, you don't got to speak to me. Just drop the greens, the dressing. I, the macaroni and cheese, the cornbread, I'm coming to get a plate.
0: Hey, let me tell you, now my cornbread is legendary. I, I'm just going to go ahead and put that out. Oh, don't, don't do that, cornbread. Cause. I'm just telling you, most people just, they think cornbread, cornbread is the unsung hero. I'm telling you, because it's just, for what people have, it's just like, it's just cornbread. I can do without it. I have perfected, and Jesus, my cornbread is is servant leader cornbread. I'm just telling you, it is blessed cornbread. So I got you. I got
1: you. Okay. But then you just make sure your picture is full, okay? <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Let us pray, coach. Lord, thank you so much. What a great time, fellowship. Lord, you said when two or three are gathered in your name, you are being amiss." even on a Zoom call. So Father, we didn't see your picture pop up, we didn't see your name pop up, but Lord, we know that you were on the Zoom call and we thank you for that. Lord, I'm a flawed vessel, but Father, you love me anyway. Lord, you saved me anyway. Lord, you let your son die for me anyway, and I'm grateful. Lord, we pray that this podcast and all the other ones bless people. Lord, we pray that it elevates them, that it encourages them. Lord, we pray that it gives them what they need to keep on keeping on. Lord, thank you for Chelsea. Thank you for her ministry, Father. My friend calls it the whistle ministry, where us coaches get to minister to these young people. And pastors are important. But they see their coach every day. And Lord, we have too much influence. In this country, coaches should not have this much influence, but we do. May we use that influence to lead them to you. Father, more than a scholarship, more than straight A's, because their body's gonna shut down one day, their mind's gonna shut down one day, but the soul is gonna live somewhere forever. May we be concerned, may we be convicted, may we be bothered when they are not saved, when they are not learning of you. And Lord, Some of us have to plant the seed. Some of us have to pull the rocks away from the ground before the seed can be planted. Some of us add the water. They may not get saved from 30 years from when we coach them. But Lord, may we do our part while we have them underneath our influence. May we show them Christ and may we forgive them as you forgive us. Bless this time we've had together. Bless those who are on the call. Exceed our expectations. And Lord, may we honor you in our word and our deed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: You are something else. We're going to stay connected, Coach. I I appreciate you already know when we drop this episode, it is truly going to help empower and save someone. So I just thank you for who you are. I'm proud of who you are. And I thank you for now being a part of the Servant Leader family.
1: God bless you. Give me a shirt made, Servant Leader, baby.
0: Let's get it. (laughs) You be good, Coach. We'll talk soon.
1: All right. Take care.